Welcome to Art Laws. I'm Alex Zappa. And I'm Robin Rosenthal. Art Laws is a podcast that explores cultural outlaws, both present and past, from artists and filmmakers to musicians and writers. Gabriel Gonzalez is a Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter and leader of a new breakout collective of world-class musicians embodying the truth of the Los Angeles Latin experience, La Verdad. Since 2015, Gonzalez has also been a lead singer for Boogaloo Assassins, the famed 12-piece Latin Boogaloo, Salsa, and Latin soul band with whom Gonzalez is about to release a new album. Since the beginning of his career as a child performer in Mexican films, Gonzalez, also known as Gabrielito, established himself as a notable actor and singer on both stage and screen. In addition to appearing in Alison Anders' classic indie film, Mi Vida Loca, Gonzalez also toured with Lin-Manuel Miranda's Tony-winning musical, In the Heights. This Art Laws podcast interview was recorded live at the Circo de los Muertos concert at Sofitel Los Angeles in Beverly Hills. We welcome Gabriel Gonzalez to Art Laws. So, Gabriel, we're here to celebrate Diaz de las Muertas. Mm-hmm. What's this celebration all about? Does your concert tonight tie in at all to that? Well, yes, we are the entertainment portion of the celebration. It's actually celebrated on November 2nd, and it's not meant to be scary. It's meant to just kind of remember your relatives. And families usually put it a little outer, and they do offerings. They put out their favorite drinks or their favorite foods. I've seen people actually cook whole dishes and bring them out and stuff. And there's like a many, many um, altars like around the city that you can actually visit uh, oh, nice. next month. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. I knew of your band that you sing with and play with the Boogaloo Assassins. And I was supposed to go to two of your concerts this summer. And I was really excited and somehow I didn't get to. But I ended up randomly at Verts in North Hollywood recently and you were there with La Verdad, your own band, and I was totally blown away. Not only your singing and your performance, but just the band as a whole, the instrumentation, the musicianship was just unbelievable. So I was really excited to have you on our show. But I'm just wondering, the name of your band is La Verdad, which means truth. Tell us why you came up with that and what that name means to you. Well, uh, around 2006, I started uh, doing new genre. Part of this, I was doing an entirely different genre, son montunos, I mean, son jarocho, son jalisciense. And I started floating around with different bands. And I was like working as a hired gun. Well, after a while, like through the years and stuff, I got to work with all the different bands and I got to know all of the players and more importantly, got to know the uh, promoters and a lot of the folks started knowing me by name. So uh, I started getting calls to play at certain venues and I wouldn't know who the bands were. Like sometimes they would put me with different bands. So I thought at one time they did Little Gabriel, they call me Gabrielito and they said Gabrielito and his orchestra. And I went, I saw the flyer and I was like, whoa, what? And I, I asked who the band was because I wanted to know what, what I was going to sing that night. And I thought that night I went home and I remember thinking like, no, I'm like if I'm going to do a band, I want to put the band, I want people to know the truth. Yeah. So then that's why I named it Gabrielito 
y la verdad, the truth, and this is the truth. And because I worked as a hired gun and I was able to work with uh, musicians and in any band and you go to any band setting, the musicianship level is always like this. Sometimes the bass player is really good and sometimes, you know what I mean? So what I did when I put together my band, I just went like this and I, got, and I put together all of those. The best of the best. The so. best of, that I could find, the best that, that I knew, knew the genre, the ones with the best attitudes because there's a lot of really good musicians. And you know, it's funny, this, this genre, uh, salsa and dance music in general, it's meant to bring people together, dance, celebrate and stuff. Imagine playing music and stuff and watching musicians up there making faces and stuff. So it was important to me, you know, to get the right musicians and having done the hired gun status thing, it was very easy for me to do. So was it always your dream to be a frontman? You know, I think it was more out of necessity, really, because I was part of another band called Bombachante, and uh, something happened, and I had to start my own band. And, and he says, well, you can't use these charts. And I'm like, okay, well, I'll use my own. And I went out and I got stuff. So everything was done out of necessity. And I said, well, if I'm going to get charts, I'm going to get the charts that no one's doing. And remember, I did the hired gun thing, so I knew what everyone was playing. Right. So I made sure I picked the right repertoire. And, and then I knew enough about the genre where certain tunes, you have to use certain instrumentation, and I wanted harmonies. I started getting more and more complicated, and then eventually I started writing, and I started doing my own material, and, and then that's... We're like in transition again, you know? Right. And, and speaking of your own material, you did this song, Power. And I'm curious about that song because it feels like there's a message behind that. You know, it's funny. That tune was written almost 15 years ago. And when everything, when the great silence occurred, there was a lot of relevance in it. That song never got released. I put that on YouTube. So you actually went on there and stuff. <laughs> I mean, you know? there's a quote from, I think, Martin Luther King at the beginning. There's, like, talking. But I'm just curious if you can describe a little what some of the spoken word is about. Well, I want the listeners to go and listen to the song. But I will say this. The country was divided. And we, as a band, had a responsibility to take a stand for something. I remember how I felt. I remember feeling that... I wanted to contribute as a musician. We were on lockdown. Many musicians, artists in particular, were affected very much by this. Musicians, because we are social, our business is very social. So when they closed down the clubs, when they closed down all those places, the musicians were literally left with no work. And we're talking about five, six days a week. And this is the caliber of musicians that we were working with. That's how often we were working at the time. So when everything stopped, it's like, not everyone had the means to have studios. Some of us already had studios. So we started gravitating people who, who worked with studios. And luckily for me, the musicians that I worked with all had studios. I just worked with like musicians that lived off of the music. Mm -hmm. And so at the time we wanted to contribute and we actually made a video of it too, but I, I wanted people to, to know where we stood. And I knew that because of the name of the band, people were going to ask a lot of questions. So right. power came to.
myself to lift the load. Freedom of speech, not freedom of consequence. We're just so sick of the crime, sick of the lies, sign of the times. Gotta wrap your head around, breaking the ties, shoot with the Yeah, it's and it's all about unity too, which is so cool. And, and unity and community and uh, patience and collaboration. And uh, it's about love, but not just love for self, love for another individual, love for community, again, love of self. It's about self-respect. It's about morals. It's about family. I mean, it's literally about all those things. <laughs> you got to listen to it. Yeah. <laughs> similar, similar, you know, we're, we're thinking about community now. You're Mexican-American, mm -hmm. but you consider yourself Chicano. And I'd love to know what does it mean for you personally to be Chicano and how does that reflect in your music, this Chicano identity? Chicano is a term that, that we used to describe of someone of, of Mexican descent. Uh, in my case, I am a Chicano because I am first generation Mexican American. All that means nowadays is that I'm, I can speak Spanish, you know, and I understand perfectly. I have the second generation. My mother was born in Baja, California, and my father was born in Guadalajara, Jalisco. And I was born here in Los Angeles. That makes me Chicano, first generation. Right, right. Well, you were also, very interesting, a child actor. And you had done a lot of films for Del Rey Productions in Mexico. What was that like being a young boy, being exposed to this world, being in films? What, what was that like? My, my uncle was a promoter of bands back in the 70s. Okay, now I'm dating myself. And back in the 70s, and they would do a lot of concerts down on, on Broadway, and they would do all of the theaters back in those days were open. Los Angeles, the State, the Orpheum, the, uh, the Million, Million Dollar, Dollar Theater. Yes. And so in the, at the Million Dollar Theater, they would have these things called the Noche de Variedades. And basically the night of varieties. It was kind of like a vaudeville thing because they would have comedians, they would have bands, they would have like mariachis, they would have a kid acts and everything. And that's where I came in. Well, back in those days, a lot of the, the performers, a lot of the singers were actors. They were doing acting in movies. There was a man by the name of Arnulfo Delgado, and he was a champion because he created a lot of opportunities for like all of these actors. And back in the 70s, all of the film actors in, in Mexico all sang because I would imagine because they were trying to draw the, the, the viewers and they saw them on stage so they would see them, you know. And so I was a singer and, I, and Del Rey Productions was also a record label. And so they did uh, records and movies side by side. So I ended up doing like eight or nine movies and I got to work with all of the biggest star names in Mexico and around that same time I was doing performances in palenques, like cockfights. And I would sing in Estadio de Toros. Like, I just remember like singing in a bunch of different places and then I would be doing the acting and then they would take me to Estudios Churubuscos and I'd do like, uh, like voiceovers. Yeah, it was, it was, it was crazy. It was and how, you were, how old? I was like eight, Amazing. nine. And back in the seventies, they had this place and how it all started. Like I, and back in the seventies, they had this place called El Mercadito, which still stands today. And it's a three-floor place on the outskirts of, of City Terrace, close to Boyle Heights by the Five Points. You got this on recording, so you'll be able to check it out. And then uh, they have like three floors, and on the top floor they had mariachi, and they had this show called Noche de Tormentas. And it was by this MC, up-and-coming MC, who is now 
Humberto Luna. And this man had a show called uh, Noche de Tormenta and Noche de Aficionados. So it was like a lot of people coming in on the radio every Tuesday night singing and they'd win all these prizes. And that's kind of where, and my uncle pulled me from there. I started doing movies. Next thing you know, I'm in Mexico. Like I missed the whole fourth grade. This before child labor. <laughs> <laughs> but you, again, around that time, were brought back to L.A. to go to school. I mean, what was it like being thrust back into this regular life after having all these crazy experiences as a kid? Well, by then, we landed in East L.A. All this stuff happened, and we landed in East L.A., and my movies... <laughs> My movies were playing up and down Broadway. And so when I got to the schools, people would go, oh my God, Gabrielito, which by the way, Gabrielito came back to haunt me because I used to be Gabrielito because of the movies. Now I'm Gabrielito because of the music. Right. But back in those days, it was like, oh my God, Gabrielito, Gabrielito. And so they knew me from the movies and stuff. So it was like surreal, like, but that's luck. Because of that, I met a teacher in elementary school who introduced me to musical theater. Helen Stringos. Yes. <laughs> she's That's here. Right. No, no. She's here. No. It's Strangles. What, yeah, what she was she? Stuff. How did she change the course of your life? Because I think she was such an important part. She was. My God. I lived in a bubble. I mean, up until that point, honestly, I was told by then I'm like 12, 11, 12. We lost everything. 11, 12, but all the kids knew me. And, and like they introduced me to this teacher. And this teacher introduced us to musical theater, Charlie Brown. She introduced us to Peter Pan. She introduced us to musical theater and just like songs, a kiss today, goodbye, you know, just Snoopy. Like, I mean, just like all kinds of like wonderful from West Side Story to Cats to like, you name it. And it just like, it was something that just followed us because from that, that point on, she's actually the one that introduced us to commercials and stuff. An agent came to see us perform and they and picked you, us when up. you're saying us now, you're talking about your family, your sisters? And yes, I'm talking about my sisters. I have uh, three sisters and two of them are also actors and they're performers. They're band leaders and they're, they do a lot of really cool stuff. Mm -hmm. Recording. You, you had been in a band called Estilo. What was that like with Martha and Carla? That was in the 90s, and we and we actually, uh, we were one of the first bands, like, at the time when we, we came out before Barrio Boys, this was before <laughs> Selena, before, like, all those wonderful artists. We sang to tracks. We used to do, I remember, we, do, we would do translations for Almost Sounds. We would do choreography. We wrote all our, all our songs. We translated. We were doing bilingual songs back in those days. Yeah. That's very cool. Yeah, it was cool. We wrote everything. So you were really a musical family. And I heard that later you went on to sing and write and perform with a band that your sister Marta had started, who's, by the way, a MacArthur Genius. She just got the MacArthur Genius Award for yes. a musician. She's a professor. She's a doctor. She's an amazing human being, an amazing sister. And I love her to death. And I totally look up to her. Like, just so generous and so conscious. You can't help but to get inspired. And, you know, I mean, I do. And she's my my little sister, you know. And it's just so inspiring to, yeah. I saw the struggle. You know, it's always been like that. The name of the band was called Quetzal. Yeah. And 
that was my first touring experience. We did a lot of wonderful things. We went and it was one of those eclectic. I was also inspired by that band and with my band, you know, because it was so eclectic. I mean, we toured with everyone from Taj Mahal, Ozo Motley to Aerosmith and Michelle Shocked. I mean, some wow, people may not crazy. know, but I mean, it's yeah. like just so diverse, you know what I mean? Like in the styles and concerts and from the Fillmore to out of the country. It was just a wonderful experience. And how cool that you got to be with your sister after all those experiences as a young kid singing and then having this amazing professional experience. I mean, that's- yeah. Well, you know, it's like when I was doing the kid movies and stuff, my sister did a couple of movies with me and they also had their own thing. Marta and Claudia had their own, they were called Marta and Claudia. And they were part of a, a, a thing called uh, Juguemos a Cantar. So you look at Juguemos a Cantar, and that was the, they started promoting kids and stuff. And a lot of child stars came out of that. And we were part of like the whole promotion part of it. We didn't participate because they wouldn't let us. But I remember thinking like I would go do the promo stuff. That was that was a great experience. It was a lot of work. I remember like sitting in a car and like just going over harmonies <laughs> it was pretty crazy but it was fun it was fun well then you guys ended up winning a grammy award for imaginaries in 2013 for best rock alternative album i believe it was mm-hmm. and uh, i just gotten off no i was on tour i i wasn't even in town i was in new york i think at the time we i was doing a, a musical out there and when i found out that we had gotten nominated i was like we were floored, and when we found out we actually won, it was like, no way, you know? But yeah, that was amazing. And it was around that time that I was looking for something entirely different. Like I knew about the three sones, son, song, first song, son jarocho, son jarocho, la, la bamba. Para bailar la bamba. You have uh, son jalisciense. You know, like mariachi music. Yeah. And then there's son montuno. You know, I thought, oh my God, the only one I hadn't done was Son Montuno. Son Montuno, salsa, cha, Latin jazz. And because I had such an influence, I, I got firsthand view, front row seat. One uh, summer we followed Cubanismo and Los Van Van. Blown away. Oh my God. But I wanted to do salsa. That was timba. You know, mm-hmm. so anyway, so I don't know. Yeah, so like that's a big switch, though. I mean, you came from these traditional Mexican roots in terms of the music, right? And then this became a big switch for you. So, what was that like? I mean, it sounds like. Oh, I was met with resistance, make no mistake. Around that time, there was a wonderful musician. His name was Johnny Polanco. And he would, that amazing, amazing, he's, he's passed on since then. Uh, but he would play at Floridita and everyone wanted to play with him. And I remember in 2006, they had a Congress 
and I went to that Congress and I, I figured by then I was already kind of dabbling a little bit and stuff. And so I thought they had a Congress and there was an opportunity for singers to come in and do a little workshop with some really big names. And they had workshops for percussionists and workshops for the horn section and workshops for this and that. And then it was there where I got my, my feet wet and I just started getting to know them. And uh, at first, <laughs> a lot of people, okay. I remember one time I went to go play. By then I was already in. I was doing backgrounds for Tito Puente Jr. And then they were introducing everyone. And they said, and from Puerto Rico, Fulano de Tal, and from Venezuela, blah, 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 and from Colombia, and from Mexico, Gabriel Gonzalez. And the whole band turns around and they look at me and they said, what? They had no idea, right? They assumed that I was, I don't know, an Islander or like some kind of, uh, you know, and I wasn't. So for a while there, my phone stopped ringing. It was, it was hard because musicians are, you know, they want hardcore. They want the best. They want, you know what I mean? So I was met with a lot of resistance. Well, you, you were also trying different genres that were from uh, Afro-Cuban music. And here you are, Chicano. I mean, I, I assume that that's controversial. How do you prove yourself? Well, I figured, I, I saw the trumpet player and he was from the Philippines and he was great. So I figured, you know what? With enough work, maybe the thing is that in, in this genre, you have what's called the sonero, yeah? And the sonero, basically what he does is like in Latin jazz and salsa, you have what's called the coro. And the coro is a chorus that repeats. And then after that, the sonero comes in. So anytime the coro comes on, lloraras, the, the, the sonero answers. And he says whatever he's inspired by, you know? And so... There's a lot of soneros in LA and stuff. Um, some are better than others and stuff. And so you have to grow what's called colmillo, you know, which means, you know, like eventually I have to hold my own otherwise, you know? And so it took a while. It's like practice. It's an art form. It really, really is. Honestly, there's so many great singers. I'm sure if they could do it, they would have been doing it too. But I love a good challenge. I, I, I figured, you know. Yeah. yeah. Well, back to... Boogaloo Assassins. So tell us about that band and, and how you ended up there. And I'm also curious how it's different from La Verdad. In 2015, I got called to play Guido. You know, I play Guido. So like, uh, um, it's, in, it's, in a, it's a gorge, it's an instrument, it kind of resembles. It's a distant cousin of the squash. And what they do is they take it, it grows on vines, they cut it, they gut it, and then, they, and then it dries and they form grooves. And that's the thing that goes, so I played Weedle and stuff. So I played Weedle in, in Boogaloo Assassins, but I also do coros. So when I went to the rehearsal, I started doing the choruses and they heard I could sing. And, and then they invited me one time to come out and sub one of the singers. And then I did the song and they kept me. One day it's, I found out I was part of the band because they said, hey man, I'm glad I brought you part of the band. And it's kind of one of those things where I didn't want to jinx it. I'm like, really? I'm part of the band? <laughs> you know, but how it's different. We do salsa, but Boogaloo doesn't do salsa. Like we're not a salsa band. We're the Boogaloo Assassins. We do cha-cha. We do Mozambique. We do cumbia. We do do some salsa, but it's fusion.
do originals, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, yeah. Do you write uh, some of the originals? I, I do a lot of the soneos. Mm -hmm. The band hasn't released a CD in like 13 years. Now I'm telling you on you guys. <laughs> but we're going to be releasing something uh, next year. As awesome. a matter of fact, we finished it already. And it's super exciting. Right before the pandemic uh, hit in 2019, uh, we got invited and we went out to Colombia. And it was amazing. We played in front of 22,000 people at Asalsal Parque in uh, Bogota. And uh, we actually got to play at uh, Calle Cinco and La, La Quinta and uh, Topa Tolondra at Cali. And it was amazing. And yeah, so I feel same, like a real salsero. Same original <laughs> members? Same original members? Of uh, Boogal Assassins? Yeah. Yes. Okay, now, LA has a bunch of bands but they have a, more groups than bands. What's the difference? A group is when you go and you see a band and the bass player is different every time you go see it. A band, it's exactly what the word implies. These guys have been together almost, I wanna say 13, 14 years. Yeah, so I am one of the newest, obviously. <laughs> That's really cool. But so if you would say how La Verdad is different, your vision for La Verdad. My vision for La Verdad we are a bridge. We are more than salsa because we are more than Latin jazz. We are the new sound of Los Angeles, dare I say, because we are way more diverse. We are way more eclectic. We are way more, I wanna say passionate. I can't speak for the other bands, but I can say that we take what we do very seriously. We love what we do. And I think it shows when you see the band, when you hear the band, and anyone who's ever experienced it will tell you, you know, we, we leave it all on, all on stage, you know. Here we go. They're going to call you on your BS if you don't, you know, right, right. I've seen it. And that's why we only work with a certain type of passionate musician. You know? mm -hmm. Yeah. I and mean, you can hear it. It's amazing. You said something interesting in an interview. You said you consider yourself a working class singer. And I think that's such a cool statement. I'm wondering what sort of working class values do you bring to your music as a writer, as a performer? What does that mean to be a working class singer? Integrity, integrity in my work. I show up on time. I don't just show up, I'm prepared when I show up. Part of the reason why I did so well in Los Angeles when I first started doing this is because, <laughs> thank God for lazy people. <laughs> thank God for people who just get by. Thank God for people who call in sick. 
Thank God for people who don't care. Because of them, I would go and show up at their gigs. I would learn their material. I had integrity because I never took their gigs. I didn't go in there trying to backstab anybody or anything like that. You would have known the band would have been called the lie. But because of the fact that I am a working class person, that means that I take my responsibility very seriously. I am a, a teamwork player. I do believe in community. Community, the common unity. In this case, it's music. And it's, I guarantee you, I'm up here, but my musicians are going to start arriving soon. I'm not, because of the caliber, because of the like-mindedness of musician that I have, not only am I not worried, but I've gained the confidence of Los Angeles. I've gained the confidence of my peers. I've gained the confidence, and I'm gaining currently the confidence of an industry. I've gotten the attention of some wonderful artists. And you know what? The proof is in the pudding. I could sit here and talk your ear off, but I think in the end, the work was speaks for itself. LA to me in the sense that like you're very much a renaissance man right you do you know recording artists screen actor stage actor talking about in the heights you had a chance to tour with in the heights which is amazing you even appeared in Alison Andrews Mi Vida Loca which at the time was a huge showcase for Latin actors and artists I just wonder all these experiences all these experiences that you've had in your life leading up to this moment tonight being on the stage with La Verdad how does it all transpire to this? How do you think? I asked an actor friend of mine, he's a, he's a triple threat. I asked him once, I said, what would you do if you weren't doing any of this? And he said to me, I don't think about stuff like that. And I was like, it kind of sent me back and I, I was like, oh my God. I felt like so green. I was like, and it, of course. Sometimes I'm an actor. I've been an actor like my whole life. I have a trajectory of film and commercials. And I'm also a stage actor, a real theater. I also do musical theater. Musical theater, I didn't do until I met Miss Stringles because up until then, I didn't want people to think that I was the actor trying to sing or vice versa. And so whenever I went on stage, I never told anyone. And it wasn't until like years later, my two worlds met at an award ceremony again with this gentleman, Johnny Polanco. And I did one of the award shows and it was one of the Latin award shows. So I'm on stage and I'm singing and that everyone's walking in. All of my actor friends are like, what are you doing? I didn't even know, you know, and some of my, my singing actor, my musical theater friends, they're like, so the same guy that told me, I don't think about that, Sal Lopez wonderful actor. 
and he, he pulls me aside and he says, don't do that. Don't do that. You need to do both. You need to do whatever it is. Don't worry about what anybody else thinks. You do what you were put on earth to do. And shortly thereafter, I booked in the eyes. And it's funny, my, my, my son, uh, Sebastian Gonzalez, he, uh, drama tour, okay? Like, I mean, this kid, like, just loves musical theater. So when this music, when the, the idea first popped into my head to do uh, musical theater, prior to that, there wasn't really much to pick from. And honestly, I stopped doing movies because I didn't want people to think that that's, I was just going to play a gangbanger. I wanted, I considered myself a, a serious actor at the time. And because I was in my 20s, I had it like that where I could go and do music if I needed to, you know? So I did. I took off. Look at the, You look at the timeline and you'll see how when I stopped doing movies was during the time when I started doing music. And that's when I took off and I went on tour with Quetzal and stuff. Years later, things started getting better. The gangbangers actually have lines now. And so I said, I'm going to go back. So then I started doing a bunch of commercials. I started coming back and stuff. My daughter, now as a result, things are much better. My daughter, Annie Gonzalez, wonderful actor. She did a, a Hentified. She played Lydia on it. Incredible. She just did uh, some stuff with the Coen brothers and she's wow. got some stuff coming up. Wonderful. Um, she's like, I, I feel like there's so many opportunities now for for uh, people of color and, and Latinos are, are like writing and stuff. And it's so proud. So I thought, you know, by then I never stopped doing music. Music was like my therapy. It's always been our therapy. You know, we don't, so we go and we sing about it, you know? And so during the pandemic and just everything and everything happens for a reason. Every song, if you, we don't have enough time, but if we ever went through the, the repertoire, if you, any turn that this band has ever taken, I've modeled this band off of the Boogaloo Assassins. You look at our flyers, you look at our music, you look at our, everything is quality. I have shirts for you. I'll, I'll give you guys some shirts. Wait, thank you. <laughs> those are, those are quality. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, my goal is that's going back. I want to be a bridge. I, I, I want, I am Los Angeles. I embody the, the culture. I've lived all over the city. I know every beautiful part of this and I'm in love with Los Angeles and I know all the different sounds of Los Angeles. What do I want to do? I want to do placements. I want to do movie placements. I want to do anything that has to do with music. But more importantly, I want to be able to headline venues that are paid by the city and just bring people together. You know what I'm saying? I think that would be amazing. Yeah. That's like, I think my ultimate goal because everything else is going to come. Yes, of course. I want nice things and everything right now. You know, my kids are grown. I'm doing music right now. I get to hang out with you fine people. And later I get to hang out with a bunch of people downstairs. I have a bunch of really cool stuff coming up and all the time and a bunch of music that you guys haven't even heard that I know is going to knock your socks off. <laughs> That's really life exciting. is good. Yeah. Life is life is good. Life is good. Right?
we do this thing called the quick draw. Six questions, 60 seconds, and one word answers. One word answers, okay. Yeah. First question, who is your favorite musical artist right now? <gasps> Prince. Favorite show on television right now? The Walking Dead. Best musical ever written? <gasps> That's not fair. Oh my God, <laughs> West Side Story. Best late night snack? Guilty pleasures. A Chips Ahoy and Milk. <laughs> You may have to answer that again, but you'll see why. All-time favorite movie? The Godfather. Which one? Two. Okay. Favorite guilty pleasure? Foot rubs. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. <laughs> My favorite answer so far ever on this podcast. Amazing. Thank you so much for, for doing this, for being here. Thank this you, guys. This is such a treat. Art Laws is produced by Alex Zappa and Robin Rosenfeld. Music is by Void And the episode you just heard was recorded in Los Angeles. Thanks for listening to Art Laws. I'm Alex Zappa. And I'm Robin Rosenfeld. Follow us on Instagram at Art Laws Pod. And subscribe to us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Leave a comment and give us a rating. We'll be back soon with more. Bye. Bye. Give me